Hello and welcome to the Age of Light podcast. I'm your host, Darlene, a certified coach and hypnotist that is dedicated to supporting you as you reignite your fire. Together, we will cover topics from well-being and spirituality to confidence and business. Get ready to be activated and receive your permission slip to be authentically you and live beyond limits. So let's shake up your belief system and step through the portal of possibilities. Be warned, this podcast will lift your vibration. Hello and welcome to another episode of this podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. So today's guest is Kima and I absolutely love her so much. I mean, I love everyone that I bring onto this podcast, really. Um, Kima, I met a few years ago. We go into detail during the episode as to how we met and when we met. But I instantly was just captivated by this person because she is just so incredible and she's got so much wisdom and so much love to give. And you can really sense that when you're in her space or just even connect with her on social media. So I highly recommend checking her out. Her details are going to be in the description of this video. And of course, she's going to talk about it at the end of the podcast as well. And again, feel free to leave a review. And if anything has really stuck with you, really resonated with you, please drop her a message or me. Um, We always, always love to hear from you, especially your takeaways. Um, So yeah, enjoy. Hello and welcome onto the podcast, Kima. Hello, Kima. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Very happy to be here. So yeah, super, super excited. Awesome. Right. Um, well, tell us about you. Tell us, tell us about your medicine. Tell us, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, we're 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 going straight in. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> um, well, I'm just a simple person that decided to leave the London life seven years ago and I figured out my life that I was living wasn't working for me anymore and I needed to make changes in order to fulfill this dream I had and still have and this dream is is to live life on my terms and in abundance and happiness and and while I'm still navigating towards my dreams, I'm I take a step closer each day. And when leaving London, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. But all I knew at that point was what was not working for me anymore. And so that's all I did know. And I left London after living there for 11 years. Wow. And we're now fast forward seven years later. And here I am sitting talking with you, the beautiful Darlene. Um, so there's been a few stories along the way. Um, no doubt we'll be getting into some of that. But currently, um, I'm bringing back a bit of what I used to do in London, which I was a coach for vulnerable adults. I used to work with people who suffered with mental health, who had addiction, um, um, substance misuse issues, and who basically needed help and I was a coach 
And so in the last seven years, I've been diving into my own personal journey of helping myself to understand who I am and to learn what I've had to overcome and still overcome. And um, and now I'm looking to combine my, my spiritual um, skills with my healing skills and my coaching skills and help people. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing these days. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a lot. I remember you telling me a little bit about this um, when we met. Um, was it over a year ago now, or was it was it before that? When were you? Working? It was June, June last year. Yeah. You came to visit in central Portugal. Yes. No, yeah. that was so exciting. That was really exciting. Um, so to give you listening a little bit of a background story. Um, me and um, Kima's partner Nova met in a program and we kept in contact and I saw that Nova was in Portugal. Um, so I drove up north to meet both of these um, and that was the first time I met you Kima. And um, still to this day, I just think you're such a captivating person and the way that you speak. And I was there for a very long time. I think I was there the whole day. I just remember driving back. I think it was like, 11 p.m. or something it was really late and I think after you left we went why didn't we invite Darlene to sleep over we never as soon as you left because I remember you were getting into your car and it was so dark and I was trying to reverse you out and it was a big car and yeah but it was an incredible experience and you brought all your cards and we were just it's so beautiful when you meet a soul on the planet and you can just open you know, you can drop the mask. Yeah. You can just open and connect. And that's what happened with you. Yeah. And I know Nova always spoke so highly of you. Yeah. And so I knew somebody special was coming. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, um, you know, jump in. I wanted you guys to have your own time together. Mm-hmm. But then um, it was wonderful to be included. And the day just unfolded on that beautiful balcony overlooking the vines of central Portugal. And yeah, we were just opening and connecting and diving deep, mm-hmm. which funnily enough, I suspect this is what we're going to be doing now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember as well how um, I just felt like it was a little bit of a retreat for me because I remember you guys just brought out all of this food, this cheese board and like this amazing bread. And was it like pickled onions or something that I've never had before that we were like eating? And I was like, oh, my God, this is like the best day ever. And I just remember just feeling really nourished. Um, and then we went to the living room and we were just chatting and chatting and chatting for hours. Um, yeah, that was that was a really beautiful day. Um, so, yeah, I'm so happy now. Now it's really funny because now you're in a program as well with me. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. I don't um, know who joined first, but um, I was so happy to see you in the program as well. Um, yeah, maybe you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about it. But uh, yeah, I was just super happy to know one person in the program mm-hmm. and to know that it was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, same. I also remember on the first, was it the first call or something? I could see Nova like in the background and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, no, I, um, it was so, so good to see your face and to kind of have that. It's it's really funny because this pro- this program is with the same coach 
um, Sarah Coxon that we did that Mia Nova's the other program with. So I thought it was really funny that we like just ended up drawn to the same person, all three yeah. of us. And I think you were on the very first program with Sarah. And then I think the program we're in is her last program of this type. So there is like there's a beginning energy and an ending energy, you know, um, a completion almost, you know. Yeah. So um, mm, 100%. I always feel like as well, I always stay till the end of these things. Like I stayed until the very, very end of that program that I did where Nova was in as well. And now I'm staying until the very, very end of this one as well. Um, but yeah, um, anyways, so tell us, um, tell us about... I'm really curious for you to share more about your lifestyle at the moment, um, where you have been, because it always looks so incredible when I see your Instagram stories about <laughs> where you are at. Um, and yeah, you told me so much about the way that you were living and you, you had so much wisdom about every single place that you went to as well, which I thought was so, so incredible. Um, so yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit more what comes up. Okay. Okay, well, um, so basically, um, my my partner is English and I'm Irish and we met in Portugal. And, you know, when you meet somebody, you're in a new relationship, you never know which way it's going to go. So we're very, Nova and I are quite similar people in the sense that we understand the universal energy the cosmic intelligence and we pay homage to that and we don't try to override it so what does that look like that means just because maybe I want to go to say Barcelona to visit friends and I have been invited to Barcelona to visit friends it doesn't mean that's where the universe wants me to go and Nova and I we like to work with spirit and the the energies and try and follow gentle nudges and try and align to where spirit is guiding us to be because intuitively we at the at the end of the day we both feel we are healers on the planet and that can just work on a collective level it doesn't have to work on an individual level um and so our lifestyle you know, we started, we have this little travel kind of um, Instagram page. So we're these people that will kind of take some photographs and do some reels and share where we're traveling to. But then, you know, how do we travel? How can we sustain this lifestyle? Um, which is the million dollar question, you know, um, very tiny incomes. And we make decisions based on, you know, like, for example, we were invited to go to Peru to work at this retreat and we got to live with a Peruvian family. So the cost of that was really, really cheap to do. And then we're also like house sitters so and pet sitters. So we get to go into people's homes and stay for free. And then, you know, the bills are all paid for because we're just there to look after the animals. That's our job. And we balance that by being, you know, creative entrepreneurs as well. And then also then there, there's the spiritual aspect of both of who we are. And um, so we're always multitasking and juggling aspects of our lives. And But the main thing is, is we don't try to push or force because we know 
that does not work. It does not serve. And that is part of the old paradigm. Um, and when I refer to the old paradigm, that would mean to me straight away, if I was to look back at my life, living in London to me is an old paradigm. You know, since leaving London, it's been seven years and I have found ways to navigate this life beyond living in a rented accommodation and having a full time job. So that's kind of what motivates me. That's kind of what drives me, because when I was in a rented a place with a full time job, I didn't feel free. And my biggest value on the planet is freedom. And so that's what I put at the forefront of everything. If I'm making a decision tomorrow, does it align to the sovereign being that I am on the planet? Um, and and I, I can't speak for my partner, but I think, you know, Nova operates from the same system, um, if that makes sense at all. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. I think we get so caught up in the meaning of freedom for one, um, I think we can get really caught up in that. I, I kind of do, especially in the in regards to the lifestyles that we are told to leave, to lead today, what mm. freedom within that means. But we're never really taught to think that that could mean something else for us. It's kind of like freedom is free time that you earn by doing something rather than free your freedom can represent you know just leaving that life behind and following that freedom intuitively like you are for example I feel like yeah, yeah. and I, I think there's a another layer to it as well and you know you've probably heard of these um you know law of attraction or manifestation mm -hmm. I don't apply any of those principles I've never studied any of it I don't really know how it operates but intuitively I understand how to bring something closer to me. Um, for an for an example, I remember updating like my, you know, what's on Facebook. You have this long photograph on your personal page. It's like, um, and I remember updating it with Machu Picchu in Peru, and because I knew I wanted to return there, I went there when I left London, and now I really believe in seven year cycles. And now I'm completing another seven year cycle. It was actually this time seven years ago I went to Machu Picchu for the first time. So I put that image on my on my Facebook. That's a way of me kind of communicating with the world that this is the energy I want to attract. And you know, we ended up meeting um a tibetan buddhist lama and an entrepreneur and an opportunity arose in peru and that's how we ended up going back out there mm -hmm. so i think it's important like to understand like yes we exist on this planet as human beings but we're not just human beings we are also energetic beings we are also multi-dimensional beings and my sole purpose is not to be here to work for 40 or 50 years of my life to make other people rich or to save them money. I did that when I lived in London. I made money for people. I saved money for people. And then I changed into charity. Um, I, I switched my career halfway through. And then I started working in the charity-based sector. 
and helping people because I was already looking for fulfillment. I already knew something was missing deeply in my life. And, you know, this this idea that, you know, and I know our coach, Sarah, will talk about the patriarchal system a lot. And I think that's what's coming up next in our conversation is this patriarchal system is designed to fill the pockets of a certain few people. And so my like my and this is why I'm in the work I'm in. It's to help people to be able to step out and I'm going to say the matrix. I'm going to call it the matrix, darling, because to me, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's it's not just taking a red pill or a blue pill. It's it really I mean, yes, that's the movie. But when I look around this world, I feel I'm in a different dimension often because of the reality I choose to exist in um, and the decisions I make um, are decisions that align to my soul purpose, shall we say, you know, so it's very hard for people to even see beyond their their existence because often people aren't even fully aware that they're already trapped in a system. They don't see it. And you see, so how can you help somebody solve a problem if they don't see the problem? And this is what I found in London when I worked in the homeless charity for five and a half years, was that if you cannot see homelessness, homelessness doesn't exist. And this is what we can do in society. We can clean something up. We can hide something so that the problem doesn't exist. And therefore, people will have no compassion or empathy and they won't want to help solve the problem or rise up and do something. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Am I going off there on slight tangent? But um, it we have to learn to be able to tap into more than just what we see with our eyes because there's a whole other existence going on and the only way we can really get into that quantum energy is to feel the energy it's to feel is it right to go to barcelona is it right to go to Santander? Because the universe is trying to communicate with me. The universe is trying to guide me to where I'm going to fulfill my soul purpose. And my soul purpose does not belong on a computer in a job for 40 years, saving money or making money for somebody else. That's just not part of my contract, my soul contract, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, I think that's so so relevant um for the fact that i think it's a whole rehabilitation process i think it's a whole stripping everything back down to the basics i was actually i actually saw this video i think yesterday that made me think a lot and it's about the previous generations of how some some people in the previous generation hold a lot of anger towards this generation because basically everyone is sick and mentally ill and um you know messed up as they call it um and i think that is because they don't want to see it because they walked around their whole generation with their blinders on and didn't want to think or see it it was brushed underneath the rug and mm. forgotten about and now that we as people are waking up to this this reality these conditionings these things that we know no longer serve us and we're actually working on it 
Um, it is still being rejected by a lot of people who don't think that that's necessary because there wasn't a problem in the first place, um, mm. which is obviously untrue because there is a lot of generational trauma, a lot of things that stick with us through generations. Um, and yeah, it is, it is a part, I think that plays such a big part in these systems as well, because most of these systems were, were built on the basis of people who choose to not look at problems like that. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky, even though I work in a corporate job, um, it is a job where the CEOs literally sit across the table from me and they have worked very hard to create a very healthy work-life balance as much as possible. So for example, we have unlimited paid holidays. So this week I've just been able to take a week off because I knew that I needed a break as we move into a darker season. And that is a big, it, it's like I'm about to say privilege, even though it shouldn't be. Um, but these are the systems that have been built. And now there's talks around removing the four day week. We, we have a, a five day-ish week in the job that I work in, but the Friday is a flex Friday, so you don't have to work if you don't have any work to do, basically, um, which is already a different step in the right direction. But there are so many other systems that need stripping down and rebuilding. But the shock on people's faces when I say that my workplace allows me to do these things or that I only work 8.30 till 4.30, people, people are like, what, and you get a one hour lunch? And I'm like, yeah. But this isn't normal. This is classed as a big privilege to work at a place like this, but it shouldn't be. It should it shouldn't even be the norm. <laughs> it should be something something that every business should strive towards because this motivates me, knowing that I, you know, I can put in all the work, but then I can take a week off when I want to. Or for Christmas, I don't have to worry about seeing my family because I'm able to see them. And it's all of these yeah, it's one of the many, many systems that needs deconstructing and rebuilding that is still stuck in this weird paradigm where uh, where people used to, this used to be maybe useful like 60 years ago mm. um, for certain families, for certain systems. Um, it's always benefited the people above. And it's, it's interesting you reference like 60 years ago and everything you're saying there, I, I do want to touch on. You've made some really interesting points and they're really worthy of um, expanding on further from my side. But just that 60 year reference there, you've got to go back to World War Two. Right. And you have to look at what the societal the, the, the collective society was going through at that time. And even looking at Germany and looking at England, the two main players, you know, in Germany, they brought in rent control at some stage. And in the United Kingdom, they didn't. Even in the States, they have rent control. And, you know, if we just look at the housing situation and look at the homelessness, you know, because of those systems they put, it's why we have a housing crisis, because there is no rent control. And, you know, you are really lucky if you're working in the corporate field and you have um, a company that you're working for that values mental health in the workspace, that values um, people's happiness, because, I mean, obviously, this is the way to go forward. And I know Silicon Valley is bringing in like meditation before every board meeting. And this, this is a way forward. But it's not like this is new to the West, you know, to to at this stage of the game, to to just bring in a five minute meditation before a boardroom meeting in the Silicon Valley 
it's not enough at this stage. These organizations are the, the wealthiest organizations in the world, and they should be taking more responsibility in their corporate social responsibility policies for the welfare of their staff, but not just the welfare of the staff, for the welfare of the planet, you know, um, and like even, you know, carbon emissions and all of that. But, you know, there is progress and what have you. But coming back to something else you were talking on there and this like generational trauma and this lack of like, I see what you're talking about. I see the different like you and me, we're from a different generation. But if we go a generation up like to my parents kind of era, like so though they're the children that were being born out of the survival of the war zones where you know where people were proud to get a full-time job and to be able to feed their family and stay in that job because that gave them security after coming through a war but you know this is a you know it's 2022 now and we're in a different place and it is scientifically proven now that it is possible for three generations to continue the trauma through the DNA. Um, so like one of the, the healing modalities I work with is a Druidic, it's a Celtic Druidic living prayer. And it goes, we do this healing on your cellular membranes and into your DNA to release any of the trauma that's stored in the physical body because the scientists have proven that it's possible and it exists. So what I find um, is, is the, the path that I'm on, this quest of my spiritual path, and I really define spirituality as getting to know oneself. It's not putting God over there or whatever religious uh, figure stands out in whatever religion is closest to your, you know, psyche and heart. It's not about religion. It's about the journey you're on with yourself and your connection and understanding of yourself and taking responsibility for yourself to stop causing harm to others. And you can't stop causing harm to others if you don't know you're causing harm in the first place. And if you if you will never know you're causing harm in the first place, if you don't stop to examine your behaviors, examine your emotions, examine your mindsets, examine your belief systems. If you don't question things for yourself, think for yourself, think beyond a system, think on an individual level to get to know why it is something triggers you. Um, and, you know, this is what's happening a lot is we have these adults walking around the planet and everybody's traumatized mm -hmm. and they're unconsciously traumatized. They're not aware of what they're carrying unless it's a person who is delving into their healing work or their work. It's often referred to. Um, and I know Marianne Williamson often refers to the immaturity of the adults that are walking around on the planet. And these are the CEOs making decisions for the future of everybody. These are running countries. Mm -hmm. These are running businesses. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I suppose healing modalities, spiritual work can be laughed at a lot in, say, corporate world. But it's about really taking responsibility for what you do on this planet. And um, I find through 
the more I get to know myself and the deeper I go in, the more I can clear and therefore the more I can serve others. And I think that is part of my individual mission, but I also think it's part of evolving consciousness right now and evolution. This is evolution right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it's happening to everybody. It's just some are more conscious of it and some aren't, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things as well that really came up when you were speaking about the immaturity and CEOs and all of that is that um, I really notice, like, I, I feel like, you know, working in an office, working a nine to five job is kind of, quote unquote, a privilege. Um, for someone like me who has worked on shop floors for years in customer service for like seven years. Um, I did anything from restaurants to being a sandwich artist, if that's what you want to call it, um, to being in a camera shop, to doing anything really. Um, and that is a very like, no one thinks about you. And in, in that position, no one thinks about you. When it's in an office, I feel like, there's more negotiation about salary, uh, obviously, depending on how big the company is, there's more negotiation about what can be changed. But when you work at the bottom of massive corporations and you are at the end and you are the person that is facing the customers, you feel so pointless and hopeless. You feel like there is nothing you can do to create change um, for those corporations. And I think that that was one of the biggest missing points for a lot of people um, in that, because I feel like a lot of CEOs with that mentality, they're just so disconnected from the people that actually are the face of their businesses. And I think that is one of the that that is just something that really came through when you were speaking about that is just how forgotten um the people at the bottom of that are in that sense and those are also the people that you know might struggle the most and um yeah it's also a, a job that people just see you as replaceable immediately if you if you lose it then you're replaceable it's fine because any teenager can do it quote unquote um so it's um yeah it's a very frustrating environment to be in i find mm, yeah yeah i mean like it just saddens me to hear you know it, like because I just know when you don't have hope in life you can go into a very dark place very quickly and and this is what I experienced in in when I worked with homeless people um hope is one of these things that if if hope is gone it can be very hard to get out to move forward it can be very hard to imagine change is possible when you've lost connection to hope and um and yeah like as you say the these are the people who are facing the customers the, the most important people actually in the pyramid shall we say because the customers are ultimately the ones paying everybody's salary without the customer the business would collapse right because um so, yeah, but I, I do believe every one individual can make a difference. I do believe change is possible on an individual level um, in, in corporations. It's just, is that your calling? You know, is, is that where you want to put your energy in life? You know, um, 
uh yeah that's all I would say there to that yeah I think it's also something that we're taught we're taught this helplessness in life um but we are not able to change um but actually I have a question for you so you've you've spoken a bit about your life how you left your life in London and everything and I would just love to ask you what has been one of the biggest pivotal points in your life to towards spirituality towards um Mm. everything that you that you do and where you are now Mm. well yeah there's a place that's jumping out straight away um so I'm really glad you asked that question Mm -hmm. because any opportunity I have to talk about Buddhism (laughs) um I when I left London and this is again this is like this is if you're willing to listen to messages and if you're willing to be guided and just take a risk and take a leap of faith and jump. And I left England um, in my camper van and I picked a friend up in Bristol. She was Irish as well. And we drove home for Christmas and and I knew I was going to stay for three weeks in Ireland and visit friends and family and all of that. And I went to visit this Buddhist center in West Cork. I'm from Cork in Ireland. And I had heard about Zogjen Bera for nearly two decades. And I'd never gotten to visit the place. So I went down for New Year's Eve. I wanted to give myself, you know, I've left corporate world. I've left London. I want to go to a Buddhist center and give myself a fresh new beginning for the new year. And I went there for three nights and I overheard a conversation that they were looking for somebody to live in and volunteer and you get to meditate twice a day and you get to eat vegetarian food every day and so I overheard the conversation and I went then to meet the manager before I left after my three days and I said can you tell me more about this you know position and I was like I was interested in it because I felt it had been I overheard the conversation for a reason and, you know, speaking to the manager there and then on the side and she offered me the position if I wanted to stay. And this place to a lot of people who've ever gone there call this place their second home. Mm -hmm. And this was the, this was the universe giving me a meditation cushion. Mm -hmm. I had tried transcendental meditation in London. I had tried, you know, different types of meditations. I'd been to India um, you know, I'm fully aware of the Eastern philosophies and how they merged, you know, even the Beatles brought, you know, the meditation to the West and, and, and I'm, so to have this opportunity to sit with the Buddhists, to work in this Buddhist center and to experience watching how a Buddhist center operates, how they make decisions, how they run business, how they run retreats. I mean, I'm an ex-event manager, so I knew how to do large volume um, events, but working in a Buddhist way taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. And having the space coming out of a chaotic, busy, loud London to sitting on a cushion, this was the first time I got to witness my thoughts. I got to see how neurotic my mind really was. And this is an important part of my journey because I learned to, to, I learned that I'm not my thoughts. I learned that I'm not my emotions. I learned that I'm not my behavior. 
And but also part of that was actually quite a painful process because I really was every single day it was quite intense living in the center as well. It's on ley lines. It's got quartz in the land. It pushes everything from your shadow up for you to look at. And so this was a huge turning point in my life to be given four months of being in this center and learning the art of loving kindness uh, meditation, which is, again, scientifically proven to change the neuroplasticity in your brain and shamatha meditation, which is a very good meditation for beginners. And it tends to focus on one kind of um skills so like we would have been taught to just like focus on breath and watch the thoughts arise and and let them go and come back to breath just to tame the mind and up until that point I had no training in taming my mind I had no understanding just how crazy my mind was not just my mind everybody's mind is the same we have over 11,000 thoughts every single day and this is what I always say to people, you know, what were you thinking this morning at 8.30? What were you thinking at 8.31? What were you thinking at 8.32? It's impossible to remember all our thoughts. But when we're in crisis, when we're in stress, when we're suffering, we become those, you know, neurotic thoughts and rumination of do they like me? Do they not? Do, 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 do. And it's like this. And we create so much suffering for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So living with the Buddhists, learning how to meditate, gave me space. It created space. And that was the first time I'd had space in my life. And that was pivotal for me. Wow. That is such a beautiful story. And it really reminds me of my time at, um, at the retreat where there were a little, there were a little like Buddhist meditation, um, how do I call this like little corners where there was this beautiful um, setup where it was set up as a spiral made out of stones in the grass. Um, and you picked up a rock and this rock had a word and it would be random and then you would hold this rock and you would think about what that meant that word to you and then you would breathe with every step and um, the same motion all the way into that spiral and then you turn around and do the same thing and i think that was one of my favorite ones there were so many different things but um that was it really reminds me of that because i feel like when you have when you are in such a space that is designed to hold you in that way it is so much easier to receive that magic um in that sense um and it's the place that i think back to in my head all the time when i want mm. some quiet space in my mind <laughs> mm. it's a second home like this is what people refer to this place as and in fact my partner came over two weeks ago and I I picked them up from the airport straight away and where did I bring them to Zogjambera I oh. uh, we drove two hours directly down and even though we only had one night one night is better than nothing and it really is it reminds me of Firestere in Galicia where you know the the Camino finishes in Santiago but uh, St James's Way if you continue walking for three more days to the coast there's a town called Firestere I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly but this 
the energy of Biristere reminds me of the energy of Zogshembera because they are on rocks, cliffs, overlooking the same Atlantic Ocean. And this is a place where you can sit and ponder. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to say one other thing about Buddhism. Like um, one teacher taught me like to sit and look at sunset and to ask yourself, when does day become night? When so and the reason why they teach on these like the phenomena of of living is where where is Darlene? If I point to your nose, is that Darlene? You know, if I point to your heart, is that Darlene? Where is Darlene? And Buddhism is all about teaching you to let go of your ego, let go of your attachments, let go of your identity, let go of it all, because you just get to the core essence of your soul. That's what they're trying to teach you, really, I think. I mean, I can't really speak because I'm, you know, not a teacher or anything like that, but this is what they taught me. And um, and when you're sitting there overlooking those cliffs, you know, it's like you walking around with a stone and just contemplating a word and looking out to that ocean, looking at sunset, and not knowing when day becomes night, we can't point to it, that there is no one thing. Um, it's quite like profound to and give space to these things. And we often don't get space when we're going from A to B every day of the week, having to be busy and to do. And in, in modern day living, it's so chaotic. Like even growing up as a child, I used to remember, I used to collect fancy paper and I used to have PayPal or not PayPal, pen pals. And I used to write to people and I used to sit down and collect fancy paper and have a hobby, not a hobby to distract me from stress or to relax me, just to have a hobby. And now in modern society, there isn't even time for hobbies today. You know, it's um, it's chaotic out there and I don't fit into that chaos and my nervous system knows that. So um, I'm creating a path that works for me and my nervous system. That's and then I'm hope I'm trying to help other people identify what doesn't work for them so that they can put new systems in place to suit their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all so subtle, Darlene. It's so subtle. Um, and I remember being a coach in London, you know, and often people think they need to make huge changes in their life. And often that's not actually necessarily true mm-hmm. because often the case can be is a person may not realize they've actually reached a point of where they wanted to get to. And they're not celebrating that, you know, the way in our program we're taught to celebrate, you know, sometimes we can just go and get that piece of paper and we can achieve that. And then we're on to the next thing and we don't slow down to stop to say, hey, and let's celebrate this. Mm -hmm. So we're taught to keep on going in this hustle and bustle of the cultures um, that exist. And there's no space for space. And if there's no space for space, there's no space for you or I. Mm -hmm. We need to fight for that because we need it and our nervous system needs it Mm -hmm. just so we can be balanced and thrive Mm -hmm. as individuals, you know? No, absolutely. I think 
celebration is such a big thing because it's still frowned upon sometimes as bragging and like kind of this energy of the way that I see it. So there's a lot of comparison, especially with social media, to the point that I know or I've known people in the past who are like, oh, I don't want to really share that. I mean, I in the past haven't shared certain things because I was like, oh, I don't want other people to, you know, think I'm bragging or, you know, think I'm being too much or this and that. Um, but in my eyes, what's really changed over the years is when people share something and that they celebrate and maybe you feel um, maybe you're like kind of slightly jealous. That's just that it shows you that you maybe want the same thing. But the other point that I wanted to make is that when someone else can achieve something, that doesn't mean you can't. It means it actually means the opposite. It means that if that person can do it, so can you. It's yep. permission slip. It's like, oh, that person did it. Great. That I know now that there's a way for me to do that too, that it is available for me. Um, but we don't think like that. We, we, we usually are taught to be like, oh, that person's just lucky or that person, you know, has it so good. Why can't I do that? Or we tend to play the victim and then beat ourselves up for not having the same thing that the other person has. Um, which comes back to just that comparison and I guess competition that we're mm. taught through games, through, um, I mean, even through school, like who has the better grades, who gets more praise, who gets more mentions. Um, it starts very, very early in age. Um, that kind of leads us to doing, to doing that and not really understanding um, the concept of doing it together mm. or um celebrating every single little step rather than just the big ones but also the big ones yeah I mean you're touching on there the the competition and and then like you know the schooling system and I mean we know it's not fit for purpose right mm -hmm. you know I mean look at teen suicides look mm -hmm. at mental health statistics you know um it, you know, I, I know a person who's homeschooling her children right now, her child, and she is being mocked by other parents who put their children in the system. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, she, to me, is a person to look up to in society because she's taking responsibility for her daughter's education and she's not putting it over there and hoping somebody else deals with it um I mean we can't say that school is bad but we can say that the system of you know treating people where you have to get good grades to get into the higher classes like if I go back into when I was 11 I had to sit an exam that really dictated the rest of my life you mm -hmm. know going from primary to secondary which is what it is over here um that really dictated what level of grade I was going to be in for the majority of my schooling lifetime. And what do I know at 10 years of age, you know, or 11, you know? Um, yeah, it's not fit for purpose. And it is changing, you know, like in countries like Portugal, I met many parents homeschooling their children and there's fabulous new schools uh, being set up forest schools, bringing children back to Native American ways where they teach children to bless their food before they eat it. Nothing to do with any religion. Mm -hmm. Let's just, can we just give thanks for having food on our plate? Mm -hmm. You know, those basic principles. Mm 
um, which they're being taught in forest schools and schools that are being set up by people who are trained under Steiner and have a connection to Pachamama, um, you know, so, yeah. No, there's a lot in there. I think I could speak about the school systems for a very, very mm -hmm. long time. Because um, I myself, well, I went through a whole different one. I went through the Portuguese school system. Um, and I think there, I, I'm not an academic person whatsoever. I can't do tests or memorizing things. I just, I'm a very hands-on person. And that was really reflected to me when I spent 18 years of my life thinking that I was just dumb and I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do and that I was just average. I had to work really hard to be average in school. Mm. Um, and then when I came over here and I did hands-on courses, I became the best student. So um, it's very different depending on people's style of learning, um, which is another system that I think really needs looking at, um, or at least more options out there, which are obviously you know being created um, and it's changing for the better. Um, but yeah, that can have a huge impact on the way that you move forward and the person that you become. Um, I think 18 is still such a young age to dictate like when you want to, what, when you're going to university, what you want to do for the rest of your life. I think that is, um, it's way too soon <laughs> in yeah. my eyes. Yeah, I had a similar journey to you. I was never an academic. And in fact, like my parents very much accepted that about me and didn't put any pressure on, on me. They knew I couldn't achieve these uh, results and um, and like you, when I finished the school system um, and yeah, I, 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 I didn't pass with any great amount of points. So there was no way I would ever get into any university. Mm -hmm. So I went to this like bridging place where I went to a vocational learning place and I became an A student overnight. Like my first year, I got A's in everything because I was learning by doing. Mm -hmm. I was doing it was hospitality management, you yeah. know, and but all through school, I failed and I got low grades. And then they put me into a learning environment where I got to touch stuff, pick stuff up, cook, clean, do everything with my hands. A student overnight. Yeah. But the wounding was already imprinted mm -hmm. the wound was imprinted into me that I don't fit in I'm not normal there's something wrong with me mm -hmm. and that is a wound I am still recovering from and that is the system that's the system I'm referring to you know mm -hmm. um and I'm not alone and neither are you there's many of us mm -hmm. where the system that taught us wasn't fit to teach us mm -hmm. and how they taught us wasn't fit for us for our learning styles of course we know more about these things now but um you know I, I'm not you know trying to go into blame or anger or anything like that um you know I, our journey through life is to learn about our wounding and to work through that trauma, right? And we all carry it. So it doesn't matter what school system or what parent or what country, you're still going to have your own trauma to recognize and work through to become a cleaner adult. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by cleaner adult is not projecting onto others that, you, that you're not processing for yourself. Um, and so therefore not taking responsibility for yourself mm -hmm. and harming others. And that's just what we need to move away from, you know. Um, 
in society. No, I love that you said that because I actually, well, uh, I have another podcast episode about this, but when I moved to the UK, I thought that I was just leaving all my problems behind. I was like, yeah, my wounds, what? <laughs> they just left that all behind. And then obviously it doesn't just go away like that. Um, but um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, what is one thing from your medicine that you're never going to stop doing one thing that has helped you repeatedly and constantly <laughs> that you feel like this is the one thing I will always come back to. Mm, what a great question, Darlene. <laughs> I love the no preparation aspect. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one thing I've learned, um, and this kind of links back to the school system, every school report, um, every teacher always said the same thing about me. And they said, Kira would do better in life if she stopped talking. So the thing I endeavor to do now that I have unblocked my throat chakra and spent many years working through the witch wound, mm -hmm. um, you know, that competition amongst allies wound is I'm not going to stop talking. And what I mean by talking is speaking my truth. Mm -hmm. And that is where my medicine lies because I know I'm connected to the universal energy system and I can connect to my higher self and to the creator source energy. So when I'm in alignment, my voice is a channel. So I will never stop talking purely because I'm also a rebel and I was always told to stop talking. Mm -hmm. And that was wrong. And I just want to honor like, and admit um, that what was said was wrong. Mm -hmm. I should never have been told to stop talking because maybe I was trying to talk about things that were of significance to people who didn't recognize that mm -hmm. in that moment. So the, I will keep talking and the things I talk about are injustice. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't work with homeless people for five years and be a person that doesn't want to speak up and speak out when I, wrongdoings are occurring. However, I've had to learn to manage my own trauma, to learn about my own wounding so that I'm not in rage and anger because I was in rage and anger for many years. And I would go on these rants and people would stop following me. And, and rightly so, because there's enough anger in the world. We don't need more anger. But I'm not saying don't work through anger energy. I'm all about working through the energy of all the range of emotions mm -hmm. on an energetic level. It's very important to get in touch with, with anger. And by the way, if you're not angry and you're not feeling depressed, you're not awake. You're not alive on this planet because there is so much to be angry and depressed about. But you can't meet anger with anger. It doesn't work. You know, it doesn't solve problems. It doesn't bring people together. It separates people. So mm -hmm. I've had to learn to uh, work through these powerful energies, the rage of the injustice on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, so the one thing I'm never going to stop is bringing awareness to what I know. Mm -hmm. um, you can't unknow what you know. Mm -hmm. Like even going to Peru, we experienced exploitation. 
you know, I've been to Myanmar, I've seen exploitation in a, in a Buddhist monastery. I've been to places in India where I've had to call out gurus for sexual abuse. So my voice is my medicine because it is a channel. And that's uh, what I will keep on doing till the day. I, they have to put me in the ground, my dear. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is very, very powerful. Um, and I really resonate with that as well. Um, I do have one more question for you. Um, what do you love the most about your life right now? Okay, wow. I, I just got the answer there and I'm actually quite surprised at the answer. Um, and it's actually really making me a little bit emotional, but I was actually going to say my relationship with myself. Yeah, like it's taken so many years to learn to accept myself, all of myself, to be a peace within myself. And I, I'm really grateful that you asked that question because if you know me a long time, you would know that that is not an answer that would come naturally for me because I have fought myself and hated aspects of myself and blamed myself and all of these nasty things that I've had to learn to love about myself by doing my shadow work. And so when I closed my eyes and put my hands on my heart, the answer that just came in is the relationship with myself. That's what I'm loving the most about my life right now is my continued dedication and commitment to having a relationship with myself and to nurturing that. Yeah. To listen to that because without that, I, I can't be pure and of service in any other way. So I'm really glad that that message came through and that you asked that question because that's actually just given me a little reassurance boost mm -hmm. that, um, that this work is working, mm -hmm. you know, that I, yeah, thank you. Wow. Is there anything else that's coming up for you that you'd like to share that you feel like people might need to hear on the other end? Mm. Oh, wow. Something straight comes in. It For anybody that's listening, that is experiencing suffering right now, um, and what do I mean by suffering? I, I mean like that sticky stuckness that wishing you were somewhere else or hoping to try to get to a new job or a new country or a new relationship or peace in your current friendship. Mm -hmm. To anybody that's suffering, I would say to you, it's not your fault. It really is not your fault. The system there are so many forces at play that we are unaware of and we cannot see them. And they are there to keep you in that place. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's people like Darlene and me that are here as coaches to try and help people to get out of those places, right? So the thing I would say is if you are suffering, be okay with what you're experiencing in don't deny it stick with it because every single time you allow yourself to feel 
and experience what you're experiencing, it dissolves, mm -hmm. it disappears, it goes away in the now moment. So that's the, the medicine I would leave this today's podcast with is you have the ability to heal yourself. All you need to do is sit with it, stop running from it, sit in it, allow the tears to come, allow the rage to come, hit the pillow if you need to hit the pillow, you know, lie on the floor and daydream up at the clouds, but feel what you're feeling, acknowledge what you're acknowledging and let it go. And it will just dissolve. It doesn't exist in the future or the past. It's only in the present moment. And if you give it space and you're willing to sit there and meet it, it dissolves. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ema. Um, yeah, thank you so much for all of your time today, for all of your words of wisdom. I feel like... Um, yeah, I feel like I have been upgraded just hearing just hearing you speak um, over this time. And I'd like for you to share as well, where can people find you and how how can you how can they find you and work with you? Yeah. Um, well, I started a new Instagram page called Emerging with Wings. So that's really the main kind of landing page it's not a very busy page but it's a way of sending me a dm um if anybody intuitively or feels a, a resonance with me then that's usually the first step if you resonate with what i'm saying or you feel something or something is stirring inside anybody can drop me a dm i do little private Pearls of Wisdom sessions, they're called. And really what we just do is we arrive into the space together, just like you and I today, actually. Mm -hmm. And we meet where that person is struggling or what's going on for them. Because people don't really reach out when everything's all going well. It's always when it's not going well. So we just meet in that space and look at, what what the person is suffering with and we kind of pull it apart and dive in and release um and honor it because all the suffering we experience is teachings it's all a teaching everything is a teaching even when you meet somebody that you don't like they're showing you something about yourself you don't like so you know that's where we call it the mirror work you turn the mirror around and you look in the mirror and whatever that person's triggering in me it's a gift for me to work with mm -hmm. so yeah emerging with wings on instagram drop me a dm if anything resonates and you feel you need a helping hand i would love to be of service thank you darlene Thank you so much for your time, Kimo. Honestly, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to listen to you anytime. So thank you so much. And I want to wish you really well on your continued success with all of your podcasting and the beautiful sacred work that you're doing on this planet. It's very hard juggling that full-time position and trying to also build a healing business um, where you're you're really delving into the psyche of people 
and helping them become better people. Um, so it's very hard to juggle that. So I see you. I see you. Thank you so much, Kima.